Welcome to episode 128 of McChesney Unchained. We're down here at the DNVR Bar and Studio off of Colfax. Make sure you get your ass down here tonight and support the Avalanche as they drop the puck in the opener. Uh, we'll see if they can match last year's uh, win total and, and maybe win in the playoffs this year. I'd imagine they're going to be pretty damn good on the ice this year. So get down to DNVR and check everything out this evening. I'm sure the bar will be packed supporting the, uh, the Avalanche as the puck drops. Like I said, this is episode 128, McChesney Unchained. I am your host, Matt McChesney. My man, Ryan Koningsberg, is in the uh, in the house right next to me as we sit up here in the studio. Uh, the studio up here, I mean, I know I say it damn near every time I'm here, but this place kicks ass, bro. Yeah, man, it's the uh, it's the dream. Like, when we started this thing, if you would have told me, like, eventually you guys are going to have a sports bar. Then on top of the sports bar, you're going to have a, a studio, studio where you record all of the podcasts. You get to hang out with awesome people. And talk sports all day? Yeah, I think I would have signed up for that. Yeah, check check that box real quick. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> as always, this is brought to you by our good friends at DraftKings. And it's another week in the NFL season, which means another shot to win DraftKings Sportsbook uh, Big, the official betting partner of the National Football League. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores one point. Uh, the last 0-0 tie in the NFL was 1943, so that's pretty much a no-brainer. Unless you're watching the Broncos. Bam! DraftKings customers can also get skin in the game with the same-game parlays. I hit a massive same-game parlay last night. Uh, I took, let's see, the early game. was I took Houston, Atlanta, and Freddie Freeman came through. And then the Dodgers and Mookie Betts came through. Five Gs for the big guy. Rent money, baby. Uh, so, just hit those same-game same parlays. And the more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official betting partner of the National Football League. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. 1-800-522-4700 if you got yourself a gambling problem. And we roll here on McChesney Unchained 128. All right, Ryan, uh, where should we start? <laughs> uh, w- look, we're going to cover a lot of different topics here today, and it- it's important to understand that there is context in everything we're talking about. We're both, I think we're both pretty educated on the game of football. Mm-hmm. Okay, So when we talk about CU, it could get a little personal. Uh, and it always does. I'm all, I always have to watch my mouth with them. When we, when we talk about John Gruden, it's probably going to get a little personal uh, because it seems to be personally affecting quite a few people out there in the world. And we talk about the Denver Broncos and Pat Schumer, it's probably going to get a little personal too because I don't know how much more of this shit I can watch. Are you using the last name of the comedian Amy Schumer for Pat Schumer because you think Is he's that a joke? The, well, no. I just <laughs> like if you've listened to this show, I can't pronounce people's names. And I, I know, I've I know. never been I, able to. I, I, to- it, it I totally like, knew that you it just took were me like ten wrong. years to pronounce your fucking name correctly. <laughs> but I got it down now. Um, <clears throat> look, man, I, I don't. To be completely honest with you, I, I don't really care to pronounce his last name. This guy is really—he's driving me up a wall to say the least. We will get into that at depth. Um, okay, college football right off the bat. And this is real simple. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it. We probably will. Bama goes down. Oh, okay, non-buffs college football. Non-buffs college football, but we'll get into the buffs here and their subtle changes on the offensive uh, side of the ball. <clears throat> Bama goes down. Okay, Texas A&M, number one. Uh, Alabama goes down at Kyle Field. 
Penn State loses after their quarterback goes out. Iowa comes back, beats them in Iowa City. BYU goes down. We've got look. I, I'm not sure if there are four concrete teams for the playoff this year. I think there's maybe one, and then everybody else is in the air. Opinion. Who's the one? Georgia. Mm. Georgia's getting in, dog. What a what a world we live in, um, where Alabama is not a shoe in at this point because they're going to have to beat Georgia at some point, right? Uh, you would have, unless Alabama drops another game and somebody out of the West sneaks into the SEC title game. If look, A and M has lost to Arkansas, Mississippi State, and then beat Alabama. I don't see Alabama losing to I anyone mean, else. Old, they got Ole Miss this, or they've got Mississippi State this week. They already beat Ole Miss. Yeah, no. So but they're not going to lose. They're not going to lose to Arkansas. I just don't see it. So it's it, like it almost always does. That's going to come down to an undefeated team and a one-loss team yep. playing each other in the SEC title game. What's interesting is. If Georgia beats Alabama, then Alabama has no claim. They can't get in. They can't get in. At that point, I don't see how you can put them in. But if Alabama beats Georgia, they're both going in. Yeah, definitely. So, and, and look. You know who that benefits, right? The SEC. Exactly. Yeah, so look, the SEC runs college football. We know this. Uh, and they should. They really care down there. They put a ton of money into their programs. They hire good coaches, and they cheat their ass off. And anybody who doesn't think they're cheating, you're just fucking naive at this point. So <laughs> it is what it is. I don't even care. I don't care. They've yeah. been taking advantage of college athletes for so long in the NCAA. I could get, look. I place people at six zero constantly. I'm not advocating cheating, but I don't give a shit. Like if you if Hell you no. if you're gonna get if some if some donor is gonna throw you some cash to go to a school or throw you a hundred dollar handshake after you win a game and play well, I, yeah. good for you, dog. I don't have to tell you this, but <laughs> it never fo- happened to me. A football a football <laughs> life uh, a, a, a football life doesn't last very long. No, it don't. So take all the money you can get yes. while you can get it. When they restrict your earning potential for 5 years and a lot of these cats it's the most productive 5 years of their football career because yep. the NFL means not for long. I, I it really bothers me, especially in the SEC where I know they're just doing it rampantly and no one cares and no one should. All right, so if Alabama and Georgia both get in, the only way I could see Alabama maybe sneaking into the four spot with two losses is losing in like four overtimes to Georgia in the SEC title game and then everybody else losing. Right. Like I, I to be honest with you, I would not be surprised if UCF goes into Cincinnati this weekend and beats Cincinnati. Mm. Like that's a massive, that's a huge circle on the calendar right there. They're unranked. Gus Malzahn's there. It's a huge opportunity for him. And UCF always, those two teams in that conference, since they've been in the conference together, have gone after each other pretty hard. So there could be Cincinnati going down. If they lose one game or if they're not impressive. Are they the the first team to sneak into the playoff undefeated just because they beat Notre Dame and Indiana? Because I'm a huge believer that strength of schedule means something. You're talking about Cincinnati? Yeah. I think I want to see one of these teams get in. Um, Okay, what if SMU goes undefeated and beats Cincinnati at the end of the year and they're undefeated? Don't they deserve the opportunity to get in? They're not going to get in, though. They're 24th. They're not. Uh, that's why we need uh, an 18 playoff. And there's the next question. So on my notes here, they're on the left, but I can kind of see them. Um, <laughs> eight or 12? Let's start with eight. Okay. Um, to me, if you're the ninth best team in the country, you don't get to cry and say we deserve a shot. Well, the ninth aren't isn't like eight, nine, and ten all undefeated this year. Are they really? Yeah. I, well, well this, year, but- this this year's crazy though. I was. 
talking to Joel Clatt about this, who I played with at CU, who's the lead analyst for Fox. And Joel was like, you have to take into consideration how many six-year players there are on college football. Mm. Like Kentucky's loaded with six-year players that are undefeated. Iowa's loaded with six-year players that are undefeated. Like if you look, Ohio State's not loaded with six-year players. Yeah. All their guys went to the league. Alabama's not loaded. Texas A&M is. All their guys went back to school. So really good point. That that is something that we have to take into account here. But I look. I've watched Georgia play. I watched Georgia play an Arkansas team that I watched hammer Texas, manhandle Texas A and M in Dallas, and they went to Georgia and got annihilated. And I understand that that's a very intimidating place, and it's a, the first time they've seen that kind of speed. But they're in the SEC West. That's not really true. You, you put. Last year in, the, I think, the Sugar or the Peach Bowl, whichever one's in Atlanta, both of them, I think. Uh, no, the Peach, right? Peach was Cincinnati, Georgia last year. Cincinnati hadn't beat the whole game. That could be a a preview of this year's 1-4 matchup. I yep. just, But if you're really going to sit here and make the argument that Cincinnati deserves to get in because they beat Notre Dame and Indiana, but say, like, Penn State, has one loss and they ran the table in the East and end up beating Iowa in the Big Ten title game, they don't deserve to get in. They're getting in over Cincinnati at that point. Yeah. I mean, this is, I just, I want to see it go to eight. I don't think there's going to be many years where the ninth team is undefeated. And eight would be kick ass, dude. And if it does happen, then we'll go to 12. Well, uh, look. But what I'm saying is the eight best teams in the country that should get you in a couple undefeated G5 schools who yep. I believe deserve a they chance deserve to compete a chance. for a championship. Yes, 100%. If you beat everyone, and you know what? I don't care if they lose to Georgia 55-0. to zero. I don't care. Like, either. Not, They're in the playoff. Right, exactly. It's it's in, People try to equate losses like, oh, that, that loss is bad, this loss is bad. But people are saying, like, well, it's not a good product. You know, you see – It's a great usu- product. Usually you see – uh, more. Whoever's the fourth team that gets in the playoff – each year usually gets their ass kicked too. That's true. And so that's that's what some people's defense is, is there's not actually four teams that can compete for uh, – or there's not actually five, six, seven, eight teams that can compete for a championship. But you know what? On any given Saturday, bro, it's there's not they're college si- kids. There's not 68 teams that can compete for a college basketball championship. Damn straight. But everyone agrees that that, that product dog. fucking rules. Can't so um, it's a – it's and it's more money for everyone. So I just – so there, give it, it out. Goes full circle here. I, I I would expect that college football will do this sooner than later for the simple fact that sports betting is about to be like nationally legal, not just legal in certain states. Mm-hmm. Because the the states that look at like marijuana legalization and sports betting legalization is like, oh my god, the world's ending. Nah, man, it shit's good in Denver. Weed's legal. No one gives a shit. Betting's legal. Nobody gives a shit, and it's awesome. So yeah. like. The more you restrict stuff, the more it goes underground, and then the government doesn't make any fucking money off of it. So you might as well just legalize everything and just tax the shit like they're doing. So that goes full circle to to how I know they're going to go 8 to 12, and I probably 12 teams and give people buys because it just increases the amount of bets that are on the table. It increases mm-hmm. the more games, and it just adds more revenue to the TV contracts and more big games and more travel and more ticket sales. And look, what's the best college football game you remember in your life? Oh God. Okay, so can I give you like top three? Sure. As a fan or a player or whatever. Well, I just in general. Yes. All right. So I'll, I'll, we'll go off the top of my head, top five because there's a lot of good ones, and that's a good thing because I was at CU when we were actually pretty fucking good. 
Uh, number one is 62-36. I don't yes. even think it's close. Uh, two is the Big 12 title game the week later when mm-hmm. we beat Texas mm-hmm. just because one one doesn't happen without the other. Um, I'd say three is my senior year at Kyle Field when we lost in triple overtime. Oof. And before, like, it was in the middle of the Katie Nida scandal. So they, like, pulled us off national TV. And we, we were was like, the game's only fucking broadcast on the radio and shit. And it really sucks because they, it was an unbelievable game. We were three touchdown underdogs. The beginning of the game, first President Bush, the old one that, that just passed, George W. Sr., flipped the coin. And right like that, you have you ever been to Cowfield? Oh, yeah. It's fucking nuts. If yes. you've never been there, they like interwave and they go side to side, back and it forth in the stands. Like the whole stadium it's is wobbling. And it is moving. If I felt like it was moving, the ground was shaking at kickoff. There's shit falling off the boxes next to us. The national anthem was like, gives me goosebumps now to think and talk about it. Right when the national anthem ended, they were shooting fireworks off and shit, and two like B-52 bombers came <laughs> at each other and like broke adjacent. One went right, one went left. Wow. Over the stadium, place was fucking rocking. And then we dominated them the whole game, and they came back at us at the end. We lost in triple overtime. That was three. Um, four. Give me two. Give these last, so those are your top three that yeah, you were a part of. Part of. Give me two that you watched. Okay, so I went to Athens. Uh, for my best friend's bachelor party five, six years ago. Okay. okay. And they it was the SEC opener. And this is just a regular-ass college football game, but I'd never been to Athens before. And we were talking to people at the hotel before we were going to go, and they're like, you better get there three hours earlier. You're not going to be able to park, and you better get in your seat before the game where people will, like, yell at you. And it was damn – it's a fact. So we walk into the stadium 20 minutes before kickoff, and this place is packed to the fucking brim – and it, it, it was the most raucous, kick-ass atmosphere I've ever been in. And the first play of the game, they threw a flea flicker. It's like 80-yard touchdown for, for six. Georgia did. And it, this place just fucking erupts. So that's probably the coolest atmosphere I've ever been to. All right, last one. <clears throat> Got to be one you watched on TV. Oh, boy. Um, probably the best game I've seen on TV. Man, you're really putting you me You want me to give you here. mine, and then you'll see if you agree with it? Sure. Which is why I sent us it's down a, this it's road. It's a CU game. No, it's not. I, I'm taking CU out of this okay. because that, that wasn't the point I was trying to make. The okay. best football game I've ever watched on TV, college football, mm-hmm. was Boise State, Oklahoma. Oh, the, the fucking Statue of Liberty yes, game? That yes. game was dope as shit, yeah. And why that was game it so, was super dope. Why was, it, why was it even better on top of the look and ladder that got them down there and the Statue of Liberty? Boise State won. It's because Boise State won. It was the underdog from the smaller conference coming and beating the big, bad Oklahoma. And even if once every five years you get that in an eight-team playoff, everyone's going to remember that. That Boise State game was what, 2003 or something? Something like that. No, it was... 2006 maybe okay yeah that sounds about right because coach wilson was at oklahoma when it happened and i was in the nfl so it was okay like six or seven so something like that th- you know 15 16 years ago and th- that's the one that comes to my mind instantly when i think of the best football game i've ever watched on tv and so to me taking the bus out of it that i mean i might have to agree with you bro that game was nuts it was so sick everything like the just the the feel of Boise State, you know, and this was before Boise State was even Boise, what they are now. They were they this were good, but they, them. they were yeah. like they were still in that progression stance of like we're should be ranked ranked in the top ten every year nationally, and they for a long time they were ranked in the top ten nationally. Yep. I mean, they went on the road this week and beat BYU. <clears throat> you can say what you want about independent BYU, but their schedule has been ruthless up to this point, and they were undefeated. I talked to Andy Avalos on Monday because I'm sending a bunch of guys up there for recruiting trips and whatnot. 
And he seems to think that they're on this that path back. And, I mean, look, man, they played for the Mountain West title last year. Boise State is – They're Boise State. I mean, they're, they're going to be there for they a while. Need, they need to get into a major conference stat. But the, they got to where they are because, because of that game. Yes, because of beating big dogs and – Okay, I can go with that. So I, that's why I think even if it's even if you get a couple fifty-five-zero blowouts, if you get one of those every five years, it's worth totally it. worth it. Absolutely, I, you know the the best game I've seen in the playoff era is probably the Georgia Alabama national title game. Ooh, ooh, because that, with that, Tua throwing like, yeah, the oh and like didn't Tua come off the bench in that game? Yes, he did. Like to replace step Jaylen in the Hurts. second half and just went nuts. Yep, and Georgia blew it. Essentially, yep. Mel Tucker was the uh, DC. Oh man! Speaking that, of that game was that game was sick. Georgia's defense might be better now than it ever was with him. Do we go after? I think his name's Dan Lanning to be our I, next. I know coach. coach Dan Lanning. Coach <laughs> Dan Lanning is a really good football coach. Has gone through the ranks. Dan Lanning five years ago was at like Minot State or some shit as a wow. defensive coordinator, and that just goes to show you is I don't give a shit where you play. I don't care what level it's at. Football and knowledge is contagious, and you can learn it. And it, all you have to do is get one coach that buys into the way you do things, and you will stay with that guy forever. Now he's the DC at Georgia. He's running the best he's unit be in the country, and he's year. he's going to be a head coach. Yeah, yep. and yeah, I mean, if Dan Lanning was in Boulder, I I guarantee you that it would open up recruiting avenues. But here's the question, and we'll go straight in to see you here. Number one, I don't think they're going to file Carl. They owe him fourteen million bucks. They could restaff the entire offense. I anticipate that, but they're not going to fire Carl. Number two, we're never going to pay anybody what they should be paid in order to do it correctly. So I agree. So do you think that's the biggest problem? Fuck yeah! Uh, look, it's shiny. Colorado's shiny as shit, bro. It's nice. The facilities are gorgeous. The locker room is as nice as anything I've ever seen. Folsom Field is. Perfect. Every time I walk on Folsom, it gives me goosebumps and like I almost tear up. Yep, me and too. And I can't help it. it. The fucking place is special. And I just happened to grow up in a time where they were special and play there in a time where we were special. And we weren't as good as we were in the 90s, but we won a conference title and played in the Big 12 title game three times, and we were pretty fucking good. We were always playing in big games, and we beat Nebraska three out of five that we were there, and I take a lot of pride in that shit. Hell yeah. I personally think that until the administration and the folks up there that sign the checks, until they really listen to Rick George, because Rick is trying to fucking fundraise like crazy because he doesn't have the support that he needs from a financial standpoint. So until that changes, we are never, ever going to be where we need to be. Because if we look, you can think whatever you want about Mel Tucker as a Buff fan. I was pretty pissed off that he left in the middle of the night, too. But I'm pretty close with Kapovich, and I got a guy going to Michigan State from Eagle Crest, Braden Miller, this year. So both Miller brothers, one goes to Stanford and starts, and one goes to Michigan State. Can't, can't, shit can't happen. Mm -hmm. they, one of them needs to be in Boulder, right? But I'm talking to Coach Cap, and Coach Cap goes, look, man, this is a business. They doubled his salary. It's where he wanted to be. I'm sorry feelings got hurt. I'm out. And Cap was the same way. Like, I want to stay in Boulder. I love it here. I think we can build something here. But there our our recruiting budget is triple what it is at Michigan State than it is in Boulder. They're going to pay him triple. He has you know, private jet anywhere he wants to go to recruit any kid whenever he wants because Michigan State actually they've been in the playoff and they know how much money they can make if their football team's good. Yeah. Colorado moved to the Pac-12 and they're like, "Oh, we're in the Pac-12 now. We're going to get paid." 
We don't need to put a product on the field that's any fucking good. By the way, they didn't get paid either. And they didn't get paid either. And and personally, look, I know the Big 12 is about to implode, and it probably should with Oklahoma and Texas leaving. Yep. That's a different conversation for a different day. But that, that leaving that conference retrospectively now, and I think Nebraska would probably agree with us, and I think other than I think Missouri probably likes their move and Texas A&M probably likes their move. Mm-hmm. They're in the SEC, for God's sakes. Yep. I don't know if Nebraska would openly admit it, but their fan base sure hates it. Oh, yeah. Their fan base is, fucking hates it. They'd rather play Oklahoma and Colorado and Iowa State and Kansas State, the natural rivalries where there's real hatred. If if they were to be in the Big 12 still, I guess, if, if put it like this, if Nebraska and Colorado were still in the Big 12 and Texas and Oklahoma wanted to leave, that would be the time to leave. Well, that's why it started in the first place, because there was rumors that Texas and Oklahoma could leave. Remember, there was all the Pac-16 talk, and then so, Baylor got all butt hurt, and we just said, like, this thing's going down eventually. we got to get the hell out of here. But we, we picked the wrong conference. You think that this should have gone to the Big Ten? I wouldn't be opposed to that. At, yeah, least, no. at least we'd have a 1 o'clock game like normal. Like, <laughs> the fact that 90% of the games are at 9 o'clock at night, that doesn't help. I don't think we're getting any of those this year. Well, uh, the okay, you have a good point. <laughs> that also doesn't help that we're only on the Pac-12 network and half the country doesn't get the chance. No, no, no. I completely agree. So it's almost worse that we're bad in the big in the Pac-12. I don't know if the Big Ten was an option at the time. Uh, if it was, then we probably made the wrong decision. Um, it, pro- it wasn't an option. I think the Pac-12 was the right move then if we're going yes. to make it. Yep. It's just look. I think the Big Ten is actually an option now. Now, yeah. yeah. So and there, okay. So if you brought it up, let's talk about it. If it does go down and Colorado does leave the Pac-12 and go to the Big Ten, and they're in a in a division with Nebraska, Colorado, Iowa State, Kansas, because that that would make sense to me. I'd be cool with that. Man, I just I hate the Pac-12, dog. When I went to college at CU, we opened up with Pac-12 schools damn near every year. We played UCLA twice. We played SC twice. Played Washington State twice. And we looked at them. We were like, man, soft-ass Pac-10 teams. Yeah. Let's go punch these motherfuckers in the mouth and win, a, win the football game. Mm-hmm. And with the exception of one absolute annihilation with SC and Folsom in 2002 when they – Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer and Troy Palomalu and Sultan McCullough, and they just <laughs> ran up and down the field on us like they did everyone that year. Young Reggie Bush. With the exception of that game, we won the majority of those. Yeah, I remember you guys beat Washington U- State U-Dub. in Seattle. We, we three point loss to Washington when I was a freshman in Folsom. Beat UCLA, UCLA. twice. Yeah. We beat them in the Rose Bowl and then beat them when I was a junior in Folsom. So, I to be completely honest with you, and I hate to say this because I bleed black and gold, and I always will. But if Colorado was in the Pac twelve when I was coming out of high school, I wouldn't even have considered going there. That's crazy. It's not the kind of football I wanted to play. Yeah, I, Washington was my number two. New Heisel recruited the shit out of me when he went to see it i bet you would have been a buff no matter what <laughs> i i don't i don't think so bro really if, okay. if look so much of me wanting to go to cu was to beat nebraska and oklahoma i went to colorado to beat nebraska that's the only reason i wanted to go there Accomplished I, fu- that. I fucking hated them i still hate them with a passion i respect them but i hate them and i went there because my entire fucking family's from nebraska and for 
and I, you know, they all wanted me to play at Nebraska, and I always hated them, and I always liked CU, which they all hate. And for 10 years, they'd beat us on the last fucking play of the game yeah. the day after Thanksgiving, and they'd sing that goddamn Big Red song on the answering machine. Yeah, answering machine, not my cell phone. they call the fucking house, <laughs> like, that, that, go Big Red. And I'd just sit there, and I'd be like, okay, when I get there, if I ever get to see you, this shit's going to change. And it did. It did. I, I beat them three out of five years I was there. So, so much of me wanting to play at CU was that rivalry and what it meant to college football at that time. And what it meant to CU. And no, no buff on earth can say that that rivalry doesn't mean something to them. No, and I think you're actually bringing up a great point that is one of the problems. There's a lot, as we know. There's a lot of problems. One of the problems is there's no, there's no game right now, except for maybe CUCSU, which again, not happening for a while, that a kid walks into the stadium and says, oh my God, I've got to be a part of this game. Oh, I can't day. wait to go to this game. Yes, or just I want to be... I need to wear. I want to put the uniform on yep. and go up against those guys. And the thing about CU Nebraska, CU Kansas State, is it always meant something. Yeah, it's not just some. The preseason games were cool when we went. You were in. You were in Lincoln when they won, right? Oh yeah. I went. I was in Lincoln with Tufts. We were on the sideline, going fucking nuts, going yeah. ape shit. It was incredible. It was so fun. But it's in September. We came the next year. They come to Folsom. We beat them in overtime. It's in September. Yeah. It don't mean shit. It's just a nice little like, oh, look what look what we used to have. Here's a little taste of what it used to be like. Now back to the Pac-12. And it, those two atmospheres, I felt like those were Colorado-Nebraska games, but they didn't mean anything. You know what's funny is when we went to the Pac-12, I was so excited to visit all of these cities. I'm like, oh, man, we get to go to L.A. instead of Ames. Yep. We get to go to Tempe instead of I I Norman. I think I know where you're going with this. And it was cool for a little while. It was cool. You know what? There's no atmosphere in Thank any you. of these places. The Pac-12s doesn't give a shit about football. It sucks, man. Other than I, other I was, than like Oregon, Oregon State sells out when they're good, but no one gives a shit if they're not good. We, SC could be 10 wins and no one even goes. I, we went to the ASU game this year. ASU is fucking good. Yeah, they're good. Jaden Daniels is awesome. They're good. I got tickets in the seventh row, not even in the end zone, for $21. Holy shit, bro. And this is my – this I knew you were going this route. I was also marginally excited. I was really pissed off when they moved. I thought it was a really, really stupid thing to do. I still think it was stupid. Even though the, the Big 12 is what it is, I still think it was dumb. Because if we were a commodity then, we would be a commodity now. It, it wouldn't have changed. Mm -hmm. And they would have been able to actually win some football games because they're a Big 12 foundation and that's what they are. And it's, it's just it's different. I don't know how to explain it really. Put it like this. You're a Denver Bronco fan and all of a sudden the fucking Broncos are in the NFC East. Do you think it would feel the same? No. No. So that, that's all I'm saying. It's just it feels like they jumped in a conference because – Nebraska want, jumped in a conference and Texas said they were going to. But I agree with you, bro. The atmospheres at the Pac-12 stadiums are dog shit. And, and a little bit it's on me. I still haven't been to uh, Eugene, which I feel like is probably the best one. Eugene is a special. Eugene's special. So yeah. I was going to say, with the exception of Oregon, everywhere else is pretty terrible. Like, it's terrible. I mean, they need to change Salt, these stadiums. Salt Lake City, Utah, they sell out. They're pretty ruckus there. That place is, is cool. UCLA's dog shit. US, USC's yeah. dog shit. USC and UCLA need to realize that that's a problem. That's a huge problem. Like, They're terrible. 
No one. I went to a Stanford game two years ago. Oh, those and are the bro, worst. it was Stanford Arizona. I went to go watch my guys play, and I literally sat in the stadium and I, I was sitting next to Terry Nugent, Drake's dad. Drake's the starting center at Stanford, and I was like, "Is this for real?" So you might as like, well be at a winery. There's no one here, dog. Yeah. And he, I was like, "This is the most quiet, tame at like I'm." I'm like going to fall asleep at a football game. I should be sweating my ass off and screaming. Yes. So <clears throat> when you go full circle back to this question, Norman, Oklahoma, they really give a fuck. Oh, yeah. Lincoln, Nebraska, they super give a fuck. Everybody See, saw that on Saturday night. We had six guys out at the game. Every single one of them after the game were like, that was incredible. I've never had an atmosphere like that. And I was like, I told you guys. It sucks. Like, Iowa State sells out. You know what's funny though is TCU sells out. They give a fuck. Like, what is going on? How did how did we go from? Did, was I just wrong and just happened to grow up in an era where CU was good? Because I've had many old heads tell me, "Oh, this is the way it's always been. We just had a twenty year. We had like a twenty year run where we were pretty good from nineteen eighty six to two thousand and five. What's crazy is that should be enough. To sustain. to sustain fucking age, yeah. should. 20 years is a lot, man. I mean, look, in, in 20, if you put, if you go relative here, UCF, Boise State, just those two. UCF is now going to the Big 12 because they've been so good in the smaller divisions and have beat so many people. Mm -hmm. Boise State, I think they should go to the Big 12, but they just didn't get invited yet. In 19, what, 98, they moved into a conference where they actually played people with balls, right? Yep. Something like that? Yeah. So what the fuck are we talking about? I don't know, but you know who else used to be really good and hasn't been for a long time? Nebraska. So we're not the only ones suffering they, from I, this. I feel like they also left a situation. Look, yeah. in the Big 12 North, you know who ran the North? Nebraska, Kansas State, and Colorado every yep. year. Yep. It was one of those three. It, you know, Missouri won it a couple of times when Hawkins went to CU, obviously. But in, like those three teams ran that division. Well, they go in. You go into the Big Ten West, and and the Pac-12 South, and you we don't run shit. Yeah, but what's crazy is I was gonna say, if the Buffs were good, we'd have the second best atmosphere in the Pac-12. I think we might have the best. If we were as good if as we, Oregon, we would if have. If we the best. could sustain ranking and recruits and put money into the coaching staff, and we could pay a guy like Mario Cristobal to stay there. Yeah, because I, I think we would be one or two easy. Even on Saturday, the the atmosphere at Folsom Field would be better nuts. than it was in Tempe when I was there, oh, and they're better. actually good. Yeah, when I went to the SC game, I was on the sideline. It was nuts. It was yeah. until they have nothing left to cheer about until the first three and out and punt, and then it was like, okay, we know where this is going. And that, so let's get into that yeah. now. Ryan Koningsberg joining me here on episode one twenty eight, McChesney Unchained. We're rolling down here at the DNVR bar. Go to thednvr.com, check out everything, all the shows, DNVR Buffs, DNVR Broncos, everything. The Avalanche kick, uh, drop the puck tonight kickoff shit. The Avalanche yeah. drop the puck tonight and uh, get down here and support the bars off Colfax where the studio is, where we're uh, spitting game. All right, Ryan. Um, subtle changes in Boulder. And that look, just the audacity, yes. the fucking audacity <laughs> to come out in the press conference and say, we're making subtle. Subtle means like none. Subtle, I don't know what the definition of subtle is, but it's not a lot. <laughs> so subtle changes in Boulder makes me subtly not give a fuck anymore. And it's really, bro, you know how hard it is for me to say I'm like, I can't do this anymore. You want to know why I can't do it? I'm not just mad about what's happening. 
Number one, I've never been more wrong about a CU team in my life than this one. I was on DNVR with our guy Henry saying that we were going to win nine or ten games. I really, truly believed it, especially after the Texas A&M game where they shut down their leg and could have won. I was like, man, we're pretty fucking good. Nope. Number two, I, my, I'm like emotionally getting scarred from this shit, dude. Like, I, I can't believe, and I'm going to say this again, and I say it a lot, and I've said it to Carl Durrell multiple times. I've said it in front of that whole staff. In March of this year, I went up there and had a meeting with the entire fucking staff, just me and the entire staff, about recruiting. And I sat there, and I was like, look, guys, this it's not good when the last bowl game we won, my old broke-down crazy ass was a captain. That's 2004. Let's be fucking real. Mm-hmm. I'm 40, November 6th. Okay. Jesus. Yeah. Forty. You don't look it. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. I'm. I'm telling you, man. It's get divorced and start feeling good, lose some weight. Things are rolling, baby. I'm in the line to lose half of my shit, and she took the half I didn't want, and we're rolling. So, <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, it, it, 2004, when I'm 22 years old, is the last time we won a bowl game. It, it's embarrassing. Like that. I don't know what the longest streaks are for like colleges that had nuts but it's got to be fucking pretty that's pretty bad it's really and and to be honest with you this is another standard thing with me why i'm so emotional about this we went eight and five my senior year won a bowl game and won our division and our division was shitty and we were four and four in the big 12 we lost two games in overtime and we got hammered by oklahoma in the big 12 title game who played for the national title and got murdered by sc my standard at eight and five I was on the bus after we won the bowl game talking to Sam Wilder and Vickers and my guys like, we should have won 10 games. This sucks. This fucking, we should have won 11 games. We should have beat Missouri. We should have beat A&M. We should have played in a bigger bowl game and won that shit. We should have played better against Oklahoma. And we won eight fucking games. Dog, I would literally, literally cover myself in green fucking jello and run down Colfax (laughs) if we won eight games right now. Like, woo! I'd be so pumped. And- it it's not even a it's not even close to happening, no. So, I guess like I'm not just like upset as a fan. I'm not going to sit there and false and be like, "You guys fucking suck." I can't tell you. I wanted to climb over the ble- the railing at, on Saturday and just start whipping people's asses that are wearing black and gold. Like, dude, shut the fuck up. That ain't helping nothing. Yeah, I'm emotional about this, and I. It's one of the reasons why I have to like back up mm-hmm. i don't want to divorce being a fan from the buffs but dog i'm it's i'm hurt yeah i mean i think we all are and for me i've had to like reframe the way that i look at at, at saturdays in boulder because i think there's a lot of people who are saying like why am i not golfing right now why am i not um you know why, why do getting... i spend 400 bucks to bring my family here for me it's about more than that though it's about Seeing my, my seeing my family, you know, that's one thing that's been a tradition my whole life. We all go up, we go up on Saturdays. I take my boys. And we go yep. to the tailgate. Yep. For me, it's about seeing my friends, you know. Yep. I don't have also a lot true. of free time. When I do, it's usually spent at Folsom. Luckily, a lot of my friends are there, too, because that's why we're friends. Yep. Um, so, I don't want to look at it that way. I want to say I'm going up to Folsom to watch the Buffs win. But, Sadly, how long, how long has it been since you actually thought they were going to win? Because this is another thing with me is I always think they're going to fucking win. <laughs> well, honestly, and I like really think they're going to win too. Uh, honestly, 
as recently as last year. But I can't I, help we, it. We I can't be like, they're going to lose. They suck. I can't do that. Yeah, I feel that way about this week, sadly. Um, <sighs> uh, I don't know. What, that's that's new for me. And, you know, it's I'm not apathetic, but there's a lot of people who are. And that is the worst possible thing you can ever achieve in sports is your fans feeling apathy, meaning they just don't care anymore. Because, like you said, caring hurts. It's a lot easier to just not care and not be hurt. And they need to figure it out quick because you can't – apathy can be forever. You can lose people forever. You can't pull a Baylor and expect to come back. In 1985, I'm almost positive that Baylor and Mike Singletary won the Southwest. And 1986 to like 2000 and I don't know whatever until Art Bryles got there and cheated his ass off. <laughs> and good for you, Art. Um, they were totally and completely irrelevant. Yep. In a major conference. They're, if we were in the Mountain West and sucked this bad, I'd just be like, okay, well, we're in the Mountain West and we suck. Okay. We're not supposed to care. But we're not in the fucking Mountain West. We're not Colorado State. We're not Wyoming. No offense. We're not Air Force. Like, it is the charter school of this state. There's a lot of people who really give a shit. And the other, the thing that's killing me is I know that the men in that room up there care. I know they care. I know Shiv cares. Happy birthday, brother. I know Carl cares. I know Coach Wilson cares. I know Hagen cares. I, I played for a lot of the guys that are in the room up there. I know they give a shit. But if they don't invest more funding, if they don't go and really, really, really find an offensive coordinator that can offensive coordinate, and put some pressure on defenses, regardless of the pieces you have. I'm tired of hearing that we don't have the pieces. That's horseshit. I watched the same team last year with a quarterback that couldn't throw it 50 feet win the fucking Pac-12 South, essentially, with the exception of SC getting it because they didn't play. Mm-hmm. So I I feel like they can change. I don't know if they want to, Ryan. I think that they, I think that they just like the fact that – look, they like the fact the stadium's full and everybody's back out after COVID and – that shit's about to get real thin. Yeah. When the fucking sun or when, when the when the temperature changes, dog, and it's not ninety degrees at Folsom and people aren't out there just getting hammered and it's an eleven o'clock game and we're all out there getting a tan and having fun and shit. Cause that's what Minnesota was hot and nice. Fucking Arizona State was at night and nice. SC was nice. Like it's all nice atmosphere. I mean, A&M was beautiful. Well, like Washington on November twentieth when they honor all these championship teams and I'm gonna be there. I hope the stadium's full and they've actually won a couple games and got people back motivated because if not, it's going to be bone fucking empty while they honor the era that made the place good. Yep. And that sucks. Yep. So, again, I'm just saying this. I'm going to say it to Henry tomorrow on DNVR Buffs. I think they want to win in the coaching staff. I think they want to win in the locker room. I don't think they give a shit. At the upper levels. I think Rick George really cares. But the people that write the checks and the people that decide, the people that decided not to pay Mel Tucker a million dollars more than Michigan State was going to offer him, just to see if he would stay. They didn't even offer him. That's the fucking problem. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of problems. And unfortunately, you know, college football is powered by boosters. And because we've been bad for so long, there's a lot fewer people who are pulling out their checkbook and saying, here's a million dollars. I don't know, man. I, every ex-player I know has contributed more than in the past. 
It used to be a huge problem, and everybody I know is is giving money to the university and trying to help. That's good. I mean, it's a start, but you need we big time. We need like a Bill Gates booster dog. Yes. We need, we need a boon. Like, think about Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State was good. They were good. Mm-hmm. They would have every now and then they'd have a good season. You know, when we played them when I was a senior, they beat us up in Folsom. They had Vernon Morrency in like 110 games. They were pretty good. Mm-hmm. But they were never sustaining the kind of play they have now. And I, don't, I know Oklahoma State loses Oklahoma every year, but, bro, they win 10 games like clock fucking work in Stillwater these days. And that started happening when what happened? When Boone T. Pickens said, here's God knows how much money. Blank check. Yeah, here's a blank check. Do whatever you got to do to get on the same level as Oklahoma and have NFL players and win football games. And it worked. Yep. So – there's some pretty big time fucking people that are big time business people that went to Colorado that give a oh, shit. Yeah. So let's go. Break open your fucking checkbook, dog. Start paying some people. Like, let's make this happen. Hundred hundred percent agree. And if uh, <laughs> you know if, if this <laughs> company ever explodes and I'm rolling in it, we're going, we're going to buy the word. bus. <laughs> you have my word. You have my word that I'll be. Matt done and Ryan with. are gonna go GM the fucking bus. <laughs> All right, so uh, let, let's see Not what happens. Rick George can't do it. Rick George is doing a good job, but he, he won't be there forever. Um, all right, so Arizona this weekend, Saturday in Folsom. We're not going to talk about the game much. The subtle changes, I guess we'll see what they are. That's pretty disappointing. It feels like a slap in the face, to it be does. honest. I, it really, really, really pisses me off. And you know who else I bet is fuming fucking pissed about it? Chris Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Nate Landman. I know him. Landman. Lang. Wells, like yeah. Christian Gonzalez, like okay, S- subtle changes, subtle, what subtle that, changes. What does that even mean? With the last ranked offense in the fucking country, and we're subtly changing shit. How about we dropped we dropped a fucking nuke on CU's offense in the in the uh, in the bye week, and we're totally changing everything because Arizona's sitting there like, oh, subtle changes, huh? I guess we'll just get ready for the same thing they've been doing. Just study the tape, guys. So you're not putting any pressure on a really shitty football team. If you were to just go out in the media and say, look, we've changed everything, you'll have to see what we come out in. And I'm hoping it's that. I hope it's just a fucking ploy, and they come out and wildcat, and they start running vertical double teams, and they start running bootleg and sprint out and screen game, and Broussard goes from 13 carries a game and touches back to 29 where he was last year. What? What? It's like they don't want to get him hurt? What are you talking about yeah so and same thing we'll with see. same thing with brendan lewis you don't want to run him because you're afraid of getting him hurt here's my here's my fear this <laughs> this weekend if you're afraid of getting hurt don't play well he's not afraid of getting hurt i don't but know I think, I don't, he looks pretty fucking scared to me ryan i think that they're telling him hey we can't afford for you to get hurt because we know it's worse behind you and i know you and i can sit here and say it can't get worse but it can't get worse i feel the same way but the coaches must feel differently or else statist- they make a from change. a stat perspective it like I mean, literally, uh, they're, score, they're scoring like eight and a half points a game. They could score zero. I, I watched them do that. You are correct. <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> oh, my God. This is terrible. Here's my fear. Fuck. Here's my fear this weekend. Arizona has a guy who can throw the football. Yeah, he can actually sling it. They, they went to Eugene and played Oregon real fucking tough for three and a half quarters. For a team that had a massive talent disadvantage, yeah. I, I agree. They play hard as shit. And they look like they're at least 
competent, offensively competent and functional. Where they could, if you are shitty on defense, they can score some points. Matt, if they score seventeen points, are we going to be able to match that? Oh God, no. (laughs) So that's why, like, like I've never been to this place before where I don't even think the Buffs are going to win when they're favored. Can you how how can you favor them by by six and a half? Six and a half. That means. They'd have to score seven points. Like if I'm, at, and I consider myself a pretty good gambler, and I know that all degenerate gamblers say that, but I'm fucking cleaning up last year and this year so far. I made five G's yesterday on fucking baseball. I can't even see left. Imagine how hard it'd be for me to hit a fucking baseball. So I'm almost at a point where I would bet against them and sit there and be like, "Go Arizona." Oh my god! I can't even believe I said that. It's like hurting, it hurts my chest a little bit. The old emotional hedge. Oh, this sucks. Okay, so you think they lose Saturday? I do. <laughs> god damn it, <laughs> <laughs> dude! I really like. Ah, damn I, it! <laughs> I mean, you know. Sorry, I'm saying mean words. No, I, you know this as well as anyone. When when you are one dimensional, anyone can stop you. Yep. Anyone can look at the tape and say, let's put eight in the box, put our corners on an island, and tell them to play press, and just, if they beat us deep, they beat us deep. They can't beat them deep. So, they're going to stack up the box. They have, you know, dudes who can play football. Like Arizona's not terrible. They're just, I mean, they are terrible. They haven't they, won in like a thousand days. No, they've got the longest losing streak in D1, and we're sitting here saying that's going to break Friday I think or it, Saturday. I think it will. Son because of a bitch. There's nothing that we can do on offense that will put pressure on their defense. And they have things that they can do on offense that will put pressure on our defense. Oh, my God. I'm going to go the other way. Colorado wins. Let's CU go. throws a shutout. We we win six to nothing. <laughs> if God. if it, they win six to nothing, it's high five hammer. Yeah. I mean, I... I'm, I'm, I want them to win. You know, this yeah, isn't like the no, NFL there's no where draft pick like, right, at exactly. the end of this. There's just a shitty feeling while everybody else is playing in a bowl game. Yeah, exactly. I, I want them to win. I just I really thought we were on the right path though after three straight five and seven seasons. And then well, last that's year, why everyone is like, so wow. That's why I'm so hurt about this. Right, like, I thought why, they were yes. like boom. We got some talent. Everything's copacetic. We're rolling. But that's why everyone's no. inconsolable right now because we felt like Big we had gotten away shit. from this. You know, we felt like we had left this place that we are right now, where we're staring down the barrel of a one or two win season. <sighs> oh, and man, it, I'm getting so angry over here right now. We got to move on. All right. All right. So moving forward here, episode 128 of McChesney Unchained. Ryan Koningsberg is my guest. We're down here at the DNVR bar and studio off Colfax. Make sure you get down here and support. All right. National Football League. We'll talk about the Broncos at the end. Let's do the. Let's get into this Gruden thing. We're going to say some mean words, so everybody be care- Be like, put your earmuffs on and make sure that you don't read or hear anything that you don't like, because then maybe I have to get fired too. Uh, yeah, don't get fired today. I mean, I'm not going to say anything stupid, though. That's the point. So, yes, he deserves to lose his opportunity to coach an NFL team. I agree. When you hit the fucking trifecta of bigotry, <laughs> you probably need to go. Um <laughs> Sounds like a name of a band or something. <laughs> the, the bigotry trifecta. Ugh. So, like, I, I am just at this point now with, I don't know if you call it cancel culture. I don't know if it's just the politically correct nature of the world we live in. If it's social media driven. I am uh, I am so confused on our culture and the way that we live. 
when every song I listen to is fuck this, fuck that, like super vulgar, and I dig it. Great bass lines, <laughs> I'm rocking that shit. I don't care. You know me. Mm-hmm. Every movie I watch is people blowing up left and right. Even like, I, I won't go see PG-13 movies because I think they're soft. I can't do it. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. Like, you, you should put that on your, uh, unless on your tombstone. I can't fucking do it, dog. Like, if it's a PG-13 like movie where they're killing people and shit, I'm like, fuck this. I can't watch this. If it's some Marvel shit with my kids, then that's different. But like, I'm, I'm so amazed on how soft we are as a culture, but we have this like shell around us where people think they're hard. And it, it, that's pretty consistent, bro. I don't know, like even people that are soft think they're pretty tough. And in my opinion, I don't know if we've ever been more vulnerable or softer as a culture. If everything that fucking happens that just pisses somebody off or when John Gruden does some dumb shit like this or Urban Meyer does some dumb shit or Warren Sapp does some dumb shit or Melvin Gordon does some dumb shit and gets pulled over for drinking or driving or whatever the fuck. Tariq Hill, the laundry list of idiots that are in that play football and have done dumb shit. Number one, when are we going to stop being surprised about this? Because I'm, it was like the least surprising thing I've ever heard that John Gruden called somebody, you know, quote unquote, but what he called them. That's a problem, right? It, it's no, I'm not advocating for it. I'm saying it's wrong. Right. It's not surprising at all. I literally had Bill Parcells walk up to me in a practice in Miami, the GM of the team, and say to me on the field, "You're playing like a," and I, what am I going to do? Be like, "Fuck you, Bill." respect me he'll just cut my ass like okay well if that's the way you feel i guess i just need to be tough enough as a man to fucking take this and go do my job okay but what i'm telling you is that that is a problem it's a huge it's problem. a problem that's not a surprise to you because you've been in nfl locker rooms and you've well, been around NFL it's the people. culture of football bro it's but it shouldn't vicious. be it's i agree it shouldn't be my look i don't have an issue with john gruden not being the coach i could give a shit what he did is pretty fucking stupid and wrong, and it offends a ton of people, and it is what it is. My issue with this is there are multiple players in the NFL that have felonies and oh, yeah. have done way worse shit than just write an email that fucking offends the New York Times and a bunch of other people when it comes out. And I'm not saying you're wrong to be offended or whatever, but again, if you're getting mad at me for just having a different point of view, then fuck you. This is kind of my point. I... I don't understand how you can root for a guy like Tariq Hill and he can be so put on this pedestal in the National Football League and then Gruden has this happen to him. Well, okay. So like, Tariq Hill's breaking his own son's arm and shit. It's, and it's, that's that's pretty fucking irrehensible. It, it, like that 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 can't happen. Yes. This this motherfucker's on the field catching 90-yard touchdowns every week. Everybody loves him. But, but, okay, so here's what I want to say though. Is, Do they just need to broadly sweep the NFL and just get everybody out of it? That's well, not going to fucking work. You and I both know that if you took everyone out who says offensive things, there wouldn't be a game this Sunday. So Ryan, I but I, that's the pro that's a problem. And so hopefully, if people start being held accountable for this when it does become a public thing, then people start to think about the type of things they're saying. I mean, you know, John Gruden can, and I, I realize you're not arguing that he should have a job but no, he cannot no. walk back into that locker room and and coach carl Nassib. no i agree I, i'm not saying he should keep his job right my, but I'm my saying problem is start the to broad be, spectra of just political correctness and and, and the, that is another dark cloud over the nfl because 
you and I both know the more that you can do to help a team win on Sunday, the more protected you're going to be. So Tyreek Hill, Antonio Brown, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those guys help the teams get W's. So people sweep it under the rug. John Gruden, well, he was failing as a head coach in Oakland. Sorry, Las Vegas. I can't believe I've I hadn't done I, that I in a while. Now I'm doing it this. Um, he was failing, so he became ex, uh, expendable. And we also know that he is being used as a sacrificial lamb to cover up whatever the hell else is in those emails. Because you know, if he's casually spouting that off to Bruce Allen, well, Bruce Allen's probably doing it to someone else, and the owners are involved. And all there's six hundred fifty thousand emails. There's I'm so pretty many sure, more people involved in this shit. And maybe, maybe. That the public pressure, that same public pressure that got John Gruden out of a job, will also get some of these other guys exposed for what the hell they're doing. It might end up exposing the fact that there was collusion when the Rams moved from St. Louis. Oh, that's happening. That that happened. And hopefully there's someone who's held accountable for all the bullshit that was happening with the Washington football team, which is what started this whole thing in I the agree. first place. I mean, so, the, the, the trainer so for Washington to, is handing people painkillers with no prescription. To me, Matt, the issue is not that John Gruden is out of a job, and so, you know, he shouldn't be out of a job because Tyreek Hill isn't out of a job. The issue to me is, all right, well, let's start let's start holding people accountable. Well, I'm pretty sure but, the NFL has been talking about this accountability and equality shit and everything else that they've been preaching for God knows how long, and they don't do any of it, Ryan. It's all a fucking show for it is. Sunday, bro. It is. And that that is my problem with the hypocrisy of all this. It's people in glass houses, okay? I am far from fucking perfect, all right? The furthest thing from perfect, like everybody I know. And everyone needs to understand that. I know it's a Drake line. If you don't know that, get some fucking culture in your life. I'm saying this. I've, I've, I've done so much dumb shit in my life, and I feel like I've changed a ton, especially in the last, like, three, five years. I went from a super angry, vindictive guy who had a victim mentality to complete 180 and like really happy all the time and not faking it. And like I used to eat a bunch of painkillers because I thought it validated why I was in pain when in actuality it was hurting me. Stop doing that. Feel way better. I am of the mindset that people can change and the majority of them want to. So. The last email was in 2018. To act like John Gruden hadn't said something offensive from 18 until now is just naive. At the same time, what if he did change? It just it doesn't matter. Like that is the exact fucking opposite of what I'm hearing every day. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it, bringing someone into the light and saying like it's it's wrong to do these things, and then absolutely annihilating that human being. It, it doesn't make other people that are out there in the real world that don't have the spotlight John Gruden has any more eager to go into the fucking into the light. It makes them go further underground. It's like, oh, I don't want to be persecuted for what I thought. Did he really apologize, though? No, no, no I'm just it, it's a hypothetical. I, I, I know. But what I'm saying is. No, he, he might have been able to win he people over with an actual apology. I agree. When his apology was, I don't want to be a distraction for the team. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt anyone. Okay, if you would so, have said, you know what, what I said was absolutely wrong. Yep. And over the past few years, I've actually learned a lot about using that type of language. Nobody would have believed him, Ryan. I don't think that's true. You I think re you really think that the 
the politically correct culture we live in where I think they're, they just want to persecute someone's ass and point the finger rather than be like, hey, we're going to educate you on why you're wrong no, but and it, then move forward. He wouldn't, uh, he'd still be out of a job and he would still be in, in a lot of people's mind a piece of shit. I agree. But I would have at least been willing to entertain what you're saying about him potentially changing if I could have seen some actual remorse. Okay, I think fair. he I think what he said is oh well that was fine the only problem is that I got caught. Okay. But the uh, look Gruden and this situation is all being stirred because of the the investigation into the Redskins, Washington football team, and everything, all the bullshit there, and there's a ton of it. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Personally, I think Washington needs to move. Hmm. I think the franchise needs to move and get rid of the color scheme and get rid of – at this point, and they need to get rid of Dan Schneider and the, the entire culture that they – bro, I'm just – let's just be real. And I don't know if a lot of people know this that didn't play in the NFL. I played the Redskins three times in Washington, twice, three times, something like that. And when you're walking out to the stadium, okay, you walk into the into the fucking tunnel out of the locker room and you turn right to go down to the stadium, this long path. And the entire fucking time you're walking to the field, every Redskins cheerleader, at least back in the day, I doubt it is happening now, was lined up against the on the left side of the wall, spread eagle, ass up, titties out, shaking like Literally, like they're strippers. I am not kidding. Ask anybody. And light paraded. So you're walking to the field and you're like, ass and titties to my left, ass and titties to my left, focus on the game, ass and titties to my left, ass and titties to my left. Focus what on the is game. the reasoning for this to try and distract you? <laughs> yes, 100%. So if that's happening when I'm in the NFL for the six years I was there and I played in two to three games at, at RFK or whatever it's fucking called, FedEx. It was happening then. No one blew a whistle on it. Why? Because there's no social media. No one believed it. This is my point. Like, it. No one believes either side. The the. I'm not going to say left and right. The politically correct side that thinks everything needs to be changed. They don't believe this side. And the other side that thinks everything is not that big of a deal. They think the politically correct side is just a bunch of soft assholes that they, they don't believe them. So. But again, this is a culture problem in our country. It's it's not just fucking relegated to the NFL. But because it's a bigger problem, doesn't mean that we shouldn't address it in the. No, NFL. we have to address it. And so, so how, do, how do you fix something like this? That look with anybody, any football fan, you, me, Ali, Adam, Spano, anyone that thinks that this is just a Raider problem or a Washington problem or thinks that it doesn't happen in college football too where you have no rights, there's no union, and the coaches can say fucking anything they want to you. Yep. Anything they want. And there's not a whole lot of guys coming out in college football, are there? No. But, and there's a lot of gay players in college football, guaranteed. And that's cool. I don't give a shit. If you can play, you can play. Good for you. I'm saying like it, the culture of football is super savage and old school and it's not going to change. That, see, that's, I, but I don't that's a, think that's the, the wrong people mentality. won't change it. They will cover it up and make it look like it's changing, and then behind closed doors, it will continue to happen in every meeting room, every coach that makes a joke, every lineman or fucking D lineman that laughs at it, the way that they make fun of each other in the rookie show, the way everything, the personal stuff and the things that piss people off out here in the world is what we go after on the field. 
my coach used to teach me to read the media guide like the, the whole week and study it so I would have something to talk shit about on the field. And I'm like talking about people's mothers and shit. So again, like that's I, not right, but it, it it's. I think that this entire culture, if it, I don't know if you can keep football the way it is and make it soft and nice. It doesn't have to be soft and nice. It's already soft. I think that you can be good people and great football players at the same time. I do too. And so I, I think I as too. a society, we are making small progress in the right direction. And I think that football is always going to be a little bit behind society. But I think when, good point. when people are held accountable and when people see that, okay, you can't just do whatever the hell you want if you're John Gruden or someone else, then they start to think twice. And maybe slowly but surely you can impact one person at a time. I don't know how Vic Fangio talks, but maybe he saw what happened this week and said, you know what, maybe I shouldn't use that type of language. Maybe... Uh, you know that it's, actually is wrong look, maybe that made, actually does hurt people i saw pat mcafee talking about this today he said i made a decision at a certain point in my life that when i speak i don't want to make people feel bad i want to make people feel good when i speak and it's something i've had to work on too at six zero being a coach i've caught myself being pretty mean and i'm like okay that's something you need to change and i've learned from it and moved forward I didn't lose my entire fucking business and get thrown under a bus and ostracized because of it and just be like, go to the fucking hole and sit there. Right. And again. But but our country is split down the middle, Ryan. This is an issue that's split down the middle in the NFL and only one side can openly talk about it because the other side will get fucking persecuted if they say anything. So how, defend- how are we going to move forward without the other side? But defending Def- that's being not, a piece of shit it's is not, not. They're not defending it. It's not everybody agrees with people being gay. They were, they were raised like that. I'm a godless heathen atheist. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm saying I've been in multiple locker rooms, multiple throughout my entire life, where all I did was get up and step out of the prayer, and I was literally ostracized. Bill McCartney turned his back on me and wouldn't shake my hand in a Broncos fucking meeting. Like a, a faith, Columbus took me to the fucking meeting because McCartney was running it. I went up to shake his hand afterwards, and he turned his back on me because he knew that I was just there because Tyler brought me. That's what the fuck I'm talking about. But it's I mean, not, that's a whole conversation accepting. for another day. Like, but you, it, it all plays back to what Gruden is talking about. But I don't want any gay people and no women and blah blah blah. That has been it was taught to him because of the way he was raised. So that's you. That can be changed, and we can't leave the other half behind just because they're stupid. No, you just have to hope that, again, there is a fine line between giving people an opportunity to change and, you know, quote-unquote canceling them. And I think there is absolutely a case to be made for giving people who show desire to change an opportunity to change. I think that the hope is that people look in the mirror when they see these people getting quote-unquote canceled and say should i stop doing that because i don't want to be like them or should i stop doing that because maybe it actually is wrong and if you hear people you know eventually carl nassib is going to have an opportunity to talk about how he felt hearing that his head coach the guy who hugged him when when he when he came on the field to be the first ever actively gay player to play in the nfl he's going to have an opportunity to speak about how that made him feel and hopefully Someone who uses that type of language, here's the way that that made him feel and said, man, I don't want to make people feel that way. And I don't want to be the type of person who other people are talking about on TV 
how I made them feel when I talked like that. So maybe I actually should change. Sometimes, though, people are going to be made an example of. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's right. But if eventually, and I, and I think this is going to take a long time, like I said, I think football is always going to operate a little bit behind. And we can talk about why that is. Um, it's because there's too many fucking rich white guys in charge. I think so, too. But Period. There's also places that football is ahead of the rest of the world. Uh, and in the locker room is one of those places. At least when it comes to diversity and being Shit, accepting yeah, of racial diversity. All my, all my brothers, all my friends that are African Americans are because I played ball. I went to fucking Niwot, bro. Yeah. There's, uh, I, I was there was like few, yeah. one, one black guy in the whole school when I was there. I went to CU Boulder, and 75% of the team is African-American, and then went to the NFL. When I was a rookie with the Jets, I was the only white guy on the entire defense. So, like... But what I'm saying is there are places like that... There's a lot of good things happening, too. Right. Racial diversity, I think the NFL is actually ahead when it comes to that. And the players in the locker room will tell you that. And you know what? I think uh, in terms of being accepting of political views... I think the NFL is actually ahead. I've heard, you know, I, I sat there as Derek Wolf and Aqib Tlaib went back and forth and back and forth about political issues. But at the end of the day, they they said, you know what, I respect your opinion. I disagree with it. You're still my brother. Yep. The whole world could use a bit of that. I agree, but look. The, but the, in the end, some someone like John Gruden goes down, hopefully – other people look themselves other in the mirror and yes. say, I don't want to be – I don't want to make people feel that way. Scrub your emails too. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody that we see out there scrubbing emails or erasing your browser history, they're like, why are you doing this? Is it just porn related or are you really a prick? <laughs> so look, man, everybody's opinion on this kind of shit is different. We get it. Uh, we're not really trying to piss anybody off on this either way. But again, if you're emotional and pissed off about the situation, you should probably take a deep breath too and understand that your emotion and your intensity and anger doesn't really affect anybody but uh, you. And the people that are around you, most likely. So, no one's going to hear your opinion out there on John. John Gruden's not going to hear this interview. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it, it's our opinion on it. Hopefully, things change. I will say this: the NFL is the most hypocrisy-laden religious place I've ever been. Where guys will have literal cross tattoos on their arm, be in prayer, go pray before the game, pray after every play just to go to the strip club on Monday and bang a couple hookers and like do some drugs. And I'm not, I hate, I, I hate that I have to say that, but it's what it is. I watched it happen for six years. Um, and I think that that in, in, in turn is going to be more of an issue as we get into the reality that there are gay football players. I don't think there's a lot of football players, especially the religious guys who want to accept that. They just, they, they, they feel like they have to. And again, I'm a godless heathen atheist. I, I think when you die, you fucking die. All right? And that's just me. All right? If you don't like it, that sucks for you. I don't give a shit. So, but I'm saying there are a lot of people. Again, I was the only guy with the Jets, with the Dolphins and the Broncos that got up and stood out of the prayer line. I don't believe it. I'm not doing it. And I got ostracized for it. Like, people hated it. Just because I don't want to be in your stupid prayer group. And I have the opinion as an American to have that fucking right to have that opinion. Just like you can be gay. And I, I don't give a shit. Be gay. Carl Nassim can wrestle fucking pastor. That's all I care about. Rush the pastor, dog. Go get his ass. So, And in the same way that you didn't deserve to be ostracized for he that. Doesn't he doesn't deserve to be ostracized. But it goes full circle back to. And, we're and not it's, just, even, we're not, it's even different because 
you have the choice to be religious or not. Exactly. He doesn't have a choice to be gay or not. Yep. He's gay. Exactly. So when you tell, like, when people talk about, oh well, some guys don't agree with that. That's like saying, well, they also don't agree with people being black. It's but something you can agree or disagree culture, with. That's just though. how they are. It's religious culture. There's not. It's, let's not it, go down. Well, this whole it, thing. I'm just saying it's it's a big problem in it the problem. entirety of it because in, it, in the world. Yeah. Thank you. That's all I'm saying. Again, if you're gonna get all pissed off about it, <clears throat> at Six Zero Academy Twitter and Instagram, I'd love to have a little banter. I'm good at that shit. All right, so Ryan and I are going to jump into the Denver Broncos right now. We'll see what happens with the Raiders. Uh, I think this is an absolute unequivocal must win. If they lose this game to the Raiders on Sunday, I think the season goes absolutely down the pipe, and not only because you lose to the Raiders. If Gruden was the head coach and none of this had happened, I still would say it was it's a must-win game, but I wouldn't put the same kind of like – end of the world context on it they lose this game to with an intern head coach and all these distractions and guys that i'm sure don't even want to play there anymore in at home after two straight losses and i think you fire Vic immediately so i said this on our podcast this morning i, said, I almost this wanted is, to lose so they do fire him. <laughs> i said this is a swing game for the entire Vic fangio era not just this season i don't think they will fire him if they lose after the game but he will eventually be fired at the end of this season, if they can't get it done on Sunday. If they lose this game and they have the short turnaround against Cleveland in Cleveland, he's gone after they lose to Cleveland. I, just, I don't think so, but I think he will how, be fi- How in the hell can they keep him around? I, I, this, I this like assumption that they can't re- replace the offensive coordinator because of terminology? What are we – what? Yeah. What? The, the, so the offensive line can't learn deuce in a different term? Yeah. What are we talking about? Well, so, okay, I just don't think, unless they believe that, you know, and this is up to George Payton, unless George Payton believes that Mike Munchak is a potential option to be the next head coach of this team, which maybe he is. Maybe. Um, if he thinks that Zach Azani is a potential option for the, to be the next head coach of this team, you know, that, that they lost Brandon Staley off the same position coach, and now he's looking pretty damn good. Pretty good. Um, so is Justin Herbert. If he thinks, I don't know, <laughs> Curtis Modkins or any of these guys, George Payton has to what think. What about McMahon? Nope. Yeah. George Payton has to look and say, there is someone on this coaching staff that I want to give a test run to to decide if I might want to make him the coach. Otherwise, they're just going to hold on to Vic till the end of the year and go start completely over, which, in my opinion, is what they need to do. Now, I, I, you know, I've patted myself on the back for this a few times. I'll probably do it a couple times again. I wanted Cliff Kingsbury. I wanted uh, Cliff Kingsbury, and when he would have come in, Remember, he wouldn't have been with Arizona. Kyler Murray would not have gone number one overall. No, he wouldn't have. And so the Broncos, I think, were picking up fifteen. That they probably year. could have got him at fifteen. They, well, they maybe they would. He would have said, "Hey, we got to trade up." And now the Broncos would have Cliff and Kyler. That was what I wanted. We went the exact opposite way. Instead of getting the young, cool offense guy, we got the old, not cool defense guy. Yeah, we fired somebody's grandpa to be our head coach. And, and that's cool. That's cool. It would be cool if like the defense was actually dominant. That might be cool yeah. if the defense is dominant. They don't so dominate anything. The, and they haven't. La- look, well, they dominated the, the Jets. The, Congratulations. Well, woohoo, twice. And don't talk shit about my Jets, okay? Okay? <laughs> Back off my fucking They're Jets, so bad, okay? <laughs> it's, it's like I'm cursed to be a lifelong Jet fan now. But it's okay. I love them. I love the fact that they suck and I still love them. Um, it just, just like the Buffs. Just like the Buffs. God damn it, Ryan. All right, so look, man, this whole Vic Fangio situation, I feel like the longer that we act like he's going to be the coach here in the future, the worse we get. 
Like, I, we need to evaluate if Teddy's going to be the quarterback here in the future, not if Vic and fucking Patty Boy are going to be the coaches. Uh, he won't, and they won't. Well, oh, God. So what are we doing then? Well, Like, we're just trying to get into the fucking wild card slot to lose in the first round and act like it's okay? I that, mean, that's... The, the standard in Denver, th- this is not acceptable, bro. And I'm... I, you know I what? I, would I can't ex- watch them do this kind of shit. The Von, when Von Miller, in the game... Walked out to Clay, to Claypool, and they didn't rotate it. Nobody rotated down to cover one. Simmons didn't push him back in. The fact that he's even at linebacker in that situation, and then his his like his answer to the media is like the, what anybody could be on anybody in zone. Doug, do you? This is one of my problems with older coaches in the NFL, bro. People have eyeballs. Not everybody that played went into coaching. There's a lot of people that know exactly what the fuck they're looking at and what you could do to counter it. Not only that, I've watched multiple teams absolutely shut down Pittsburgh and Claypool to the point where he's like a a bust in fantasy this year. And he just ran fucking wild against us. Deontay Johnson's running wild, over-the-head throws. We've got the highest-paid defense in the NFL, and they're playing, like, what, 25th? 24th? They're terrible. Yeah. Uh, it's unacceptable. Any, anybody can cover anybody? That's what? That's the fucking explanation we get? Also, it didn't look like zone to me. No, it looked like man coverage to me. Yeah. It looked like, I thought, it looked so like two I've, over the top, and everybody else at the second level was fenced, which insinuates man. Vaughn walks out, and if anything, Vaughn would walk out and he'd blitz, and Simmons would take him. Well, there was a reason why. So I thought Vaughn thought it was zone. But somewhere there was disconnect because again, the way the that fuck he, is Vaughn in coverage? He should never be there. But that's something that Vic said he was going to do from the first day, which I never understood. Then he did it with Khalil Mack, and it actually sometimes kind of worked. Um, but it it's it's a waste. Von Miller has no idea what he's doing. He had an interception on Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game. Why? Because it was so out of nowhere. A once in a season call from and the they defense. just dro- they dropped him on a line. Don Capers zone blitz and yep. Brady just threw him the ball yes but he doesn't belong in coverage and that clip alone will show you how lost he is but the fact that claypool was so open after he ran right past vaughn is what made me think it was man there was no one else there was no other zone for him to run into you know what i mean and you don't run through zone that's the thing in the nfl wide receivers are told to stop in zone cover you find the bubble stop present a target the guy throws you the ball and you fall forward for two yards in man coverage when you're running across the field like that and you're and the guys are chasing you that's because everybody's playing fucking man coverage that's why he's catching it and running across the field there is no zone if he can run all the way across the field that's they didn't miss tackle did he no, no, he just he was took running, off. He was, there was no one around. So I don't know. I I got. I haven't seen all 22 of it. It's a zone. Anybody can cover anybody. I mean, if you hear that in the locker room, are you just like, fuck it, season's over. Anybody can cover anybody. Shelby Harris could be out on the fucking X receiver next week for all we know. <laughs> as long as it's zone. Yeah, as long as it's zone. I think there's big problems across the board. Um, Vic Fangio has the highest paid defense in the NFL, the highest paid secondary in the NFL. I don't even think – I don't even know why he has the highest paid secondary in the NFL the way that he calls the defense. I agree. I think it's a waste. I think that you should man up when you have Fuller and Sertan, and Fuller's getting his ass beat, but still. Bad. Um, you know, you line up across the board, and I'm saying, like, those guys, Callahan, those guys can can cover and man. The way Pittsburgh Jack- and Baltimore plays, 
on defense. We have better personnel than both of those units. To play that And style. they play the style 50 times better than we do. The way that Vic calls the defense allows the quarterback to get hot. Because you're saying, oh, well, we'll just let him throw it between the 20s. And get into the red zone and play good defense. And get in the red zone and force them to kick where, a field goal. Where are the multiple blitzes? Where are the radar looks? Why are Malik Reed, Chubb, and Vaughn never on the same side together? Why why is he never a spinner? Why is he never up walking around at the second level and coming like they do with TJ Watt and the, you know Justin Houston in Baltimore and whatnot? He's better than both those guys. And they just never bring the fight. They never bring the fight to the other team. With the with the personnel they have defensively in Denver, they should be so multiple. And so they're, they're, vicious. Exactly. Their their game plan should almost be different each and every week because they have the personnel to go man people up and just play super aggressive in your fucking face defense. And if we get beat every now and then because of it, cool. But we're going to cause so many turnovers, right? so many pre-snap penalties in Denver, them trying to get off the ball, and we're going to put so much pressure on them. It won't matter if they beat us over the head once. It's like, it's like if Mike Tyson – was playing it was playing or was fighting defensively you know just standing back there covering his face trying to wear you out that's like, not what no, he does throw punches throw punches go in there and you have like you have the type of personnel to throw mike tyson knockout punches so why in your opinion why the lack of creativity and it's constant bro it has been since day one why can't we do time management why is there, why can't we get creative on defense why do we keep acting like this guy is such a great defensive coordinator? I'm, I, I've stopped. I, I, I think he's an extremely average defensive coordinator and a fucking terrible head coach. Terrible. I've stopped, I've stopped saying like defensive genius, defensive guru. I haven't seen it. There was one time in his first season when they lost so many players and they actually put out a respectable defensive performance. I said, wow, that was impressive. Because the way when you do play that zone-style defense, it does, you know, it does allow for you. I think it was, the guy's name was Devonte Harris. It allows for you yeah. to have to start Devonte Harris and get away with it because you lost three or four corners. But when you have a Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson and Kyle Fuller and Bryce Callahan and Pat Sertan and Ron Darby's coming back and Vaughn Miller and Shelby Harris and Draymond Jones, go take, go attack. Their defense doesn't attack, and it's why I said it going into last week. I'm scared of Big Ben because they're going to give him so much easy stuff that he's going to start feeling himself. And, and the same every, thing happened. Every quarterback is taught what, Ryan? Take what they take what you give it, what they're giving you. And Derek Carr is going to do that all day. Absolutely, he's the king of taking I've what watched, they give you. I watched Carr. What was it last year or two years ago? Walk in and go like 19 for 20 in the first half. Right, but and I think the Broncos actually ended up winning that game. Because they couldn't finish in, in the red zone, but uh, now they, they have they rugs, yeah, uh, and now Waller the, and yeah, and now Josh they have an Jacobs. opportunity to beat you in other ways. These are not the Derek Carr Raiders that just tried to dink and dunk their way all the way down the field. They can go vertical now, so I, I'm I'm totally at the breaking point with Vic. Win this week or it's over. I just don't think the Broncos are going to fire him midseason, but I do think internally they'll know we're moving on. All right, so offensively, what do you want to see them change this weekend? Everything? Um, first of all, I want to see play action from under center. Oh, yeah, that would be a Christmas fucking miracle at this point. <laughs> yes, I, 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 keep, I have not had time to go back. I don't think they did it once last week. What was last week that they have the, the carries, like Gordon had eight for 70 and like, where, or was that Baltimore? 
Williams had like seven for 65, and then they stopped running the ball. No, that was Baltimore, Baltimore. where they ran it four yeah. times in the second half with a yep. backup quarterback. Yep. Um, yep. So this week was they ran the ball on first down of every single series in the first half except for the two-minute drill. It's so predictable. And I talked about it with you la- this. They're I talked sec- about they're this. They're second and eight all the time. They are in third and eight. They are averaging third and eight this season. That's god-awful. It's terrible. So I talked about this with you last week. Unfortunately, we lost the show. But I said, like, I said to you, please tell me, because you know more about this stuff than I do. I said to you, please tell me that calling a game is harder than I think it is. Because I look at these games and I see so many opportunities that offensive coordinators just don't take the bad ones are just so bad at understanding the flow of the game pat Shermer, i'm convinced i'm convinced that he got chastised by the media last week for only running the ball four times in the second half against baltimore and then he came out and he said i'll show those i'll show those assholes (laughs) they opened the game in first and 15 run for one yard so now they have second and 14 you know what they did Run. run for four yards they end up in third and 10 to start the game Run, run, pass, punt. I swear I was thinking he was trying to stick it to the media by running it on first and 15 and second and 14, saying, like, watch this. I'll, over, I'll show you guys running. Well, acting like they don't listen to the media, too. That I hate when people say they're not even listening. I'm like, no, they fucking hear everything, especially with social media. Not only do they hear it, but they read it. So that that's bullshit. So I agree with you that they've got to hammer the ball. I don't know why. So it I makes wanna, no sense not to with your personnel. They, the worst part is they lose two wide receivers. They lose Jerry Judy. They lose KJ Hamler. And they start going to three wide more. That's what Pat does, bro. This is his MO. Oh, yeah. Three wide this is, is what thing. he does. But they were actually running less three wide when they had KJ and Jerry. And then the last two weeks, they've been to, uh, like in the top, I think, 10 of the NFL of how many times they go three wide. They don't have the guys to protect three wide. They don't have the receivers right now to get open in three wide. And they don't run the ball particularly well at a single back under center. No. So they can't throw play action out of it. So I want to see – oh, they can. Everyone can throw play action out of anything if they want if to, you, but they're it, not even yeah, trying. You've got to try to do yes, it. Yes, So I want to see more under center. I want to see more two tight end. Uh, I want to see way, way, way more play action. Just play, uh, play action all the time for all I care. It's way better than none of the time. Um they win this weekend before we get out of here? I think they do. I think they do. Okay. I think they lose. So we're on opposites of the Buffs and the Broncos. Yep. I think they lose, and I think uh, I think the Raiders come out with something to play for, and and I wouldn't be surprised if Teddy gets knocked out of this game too because Crosby's going to eat, bro. Crosby's going to line up on Massey the whole game and get after him. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens. This is episode 128, McChesney Unchained. Uh, that is a wrap. Big thanks to my man Ryan Konigsberg for coming on the show again and, and spitting some truth uh, at Sixer Academy on Twitter and Instagram and then at DNVR Unchained uh, to follow the show and follow Ryan on his platforms at Ryan Konigsberg. Type in Ryan K-O-S and you'll get him. K-O-E. K-O-E. See? There you go. <laughs> bad, at, bad at names. Uh, and remember, get down here DNVR Bar and Studio and support the Avalanche tonight as they drop the puck on the 2021 season and of course Buffs and Broncos uh, this weekend. Thanks for listening, folks, and have a great day.